don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one before you sit down. Nathan, if you guys can help hand, hand these out to everybody. There, some of these guys are going to hand you a card real quick. Just go ahead and put that under your chair or in your Bible or under the seat or, or under in the back of the seat in front of you. But we are going to pull that out and we are going to use that later. So who saw the post that I put on uh, Instagram this week about what we were talking about tonight? The struggle is real. That, that's got to be horrible to have been a T-Rex and not been able to actually reach stuff. But have you guys ever seen the movie Meet the Robinsons? Yes. That's, that's like one of my favorite lines from the entire movie where the, the dinosaur's got the hat on where he can actually be understood. And he says, I got a really big head and really tiny arms. And he can't get to the stuff he wants to because the struggle's real. But here's, here's the reality of that statement. A lot of times when we use that statement, it's not really a struggle for us, is it? I mean, we, we use that statement for things like, I made my coffee this morning and found out there was no creamer. The struggle is real. Or my phone died and I can't find my charging cable. This, some of y'all are like, no, no, that's a struggle. Okay, but really that's more what we refer to as first world problems, right? Those aren't really struggles for us. But as we've been walking through this book of Colossians, what we're going to find tonight is Paul is actually talking about a struggle that is real is very real in the life of every believer or really should be or hopefully is real in the life of every believer. So before we jump into that, let's walk through the questions we talk every week. The book of Colossians, who wrote it? Paul, see, I gave you one answer already, so we're on good terms here. When was it written? Somewhere between 60 to 62 AD, that's right. Now, where was Paul when he wrote it? jail. I've told you guys this before, and I make up this percentage every time. If Like 95, 98% of the time, if somebody asks you, where was Paul when he wrote it? If you say jail, you're probably going to get it right, okay? Who did he write this book to? The Church of Colossae. And why did he write it to them? To encourage and to warn. To encourage them in their walk and to warn them because there were false teachers who were creeping into the church. They were teaching Jesus and they were adding things to the gospel of Jesus. So he was trying to make sure that these believers knew exactly what it is that they were supposed to understand about scripture. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what I ask you to do every week. We're in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 24. I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor of reading God's word. And Mr. Justin Fulham is going to come up here and read that passage for us tonight. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, also I labor, striving according, according to his power, which mightily works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are Laodicea.
sir. All right, let me pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, I thank you for Justin's willingness to come up and, and share and read that for us, God. And I just pray that we will leave here different tonight because we spent time in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Colossians chapter 1. We're finishing up chapter 1 here tonight. We're moving in. We're finally moving into chapter 2. We're like six weeks into Colossians, and we're finally moving into chapter 2. But let me, let me read those first couple of verses for you again because there's a lot going on in here, and I don't want us to miss what's happening. It says in verse 24, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose, not, chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's a couple things happening in just these couple verses. In fact, right there in that first verse, there's, we, we see two different things going on. The first one is this. Paul says he's rejoicing in his what? Suffering. That's what he says. That's, that's the song that we just sang, that whole song, Rejoice, if you paid attention to the words. That's the whole thing is that you're rejoicing in your sufferings. And that's not something that, that we like to do, is it? When, when we're stuff, suffering, when we're struggling, I'm having trouble with my words here tonight. We don't like to suffer. We don't like to struggle. And yet what Paul is saying right here is that he's rejoicing in his sufferings. And this isn't a new concept. If you've read any of Scripture, as you go through Scripture, you see throughout, over and over again, where Scripture talks about believers struggling, believers suffering, believers being persecuted. But the problem is, we don't like that. We don't like to suffer. We don't like to have persecution. It's not something that we seek out. But if you're living a life that honors God, if you have made Jesus number one in your life and you're pursuing him, there's going to come a day where you're going to suffer because you're living out what you believe. You may be persecuted because of what you believe. Now, we, we don't like to think that way because sometimes we think in the American church that we're kind of exempt from that, that we're, we're really following God and we've really got it right. But the truth is, Christians have been persecuted and suffered around the globe for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Because that's what Scripture tells us is going to happen. Why would we get a pass when Jesus told us that we're going to face persecution? And Paul is starting off right here. He's saying, hey, I've got problems. I've suffered. I've had things going on, but I'm going to rejoice in my suffering. That's a big deal. That's something that, that we need to pay attention to. Remember this. Where is Paul when he wrote this? He's in jail. You think he's suffering in jail? It's a pretty good chance the, the road that got him to jail was filled with beatings and cursings and all kinds of other persecution. In fact, if you read Paul's journey trying to get to Rome in the first place, you read about all of those things happening. You read about a shipwreck. You read about him getting bit by a snake. You read about all kinds of stuff that happened to Paul simply because he was trying to live out the gospel. He's willing to suffer because that's what God's called him to do. And believe it or not, you and I should be facing some of that as well. And that's what Paul's talking about when he makes this comment here. He says that he is filling up what is lacking. Pay attention to that in that first verse. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. 
Now, let me make sure you understand what that is not saying. That is not saying that Paul is somehow doing something on his own to complete the work of what Jesus couldn't fulfill when he died on the cross. That's not what that passage is talking about. Because what Jesus did on the cross, that was it. That is the atoning work. That is the sacrifice for our sins. That paid the price for anyone who would put their faith and their trust in him. So he's not saying that what Jesus did was lacking. What he's saying is that we as believers, we're going to face that persecution and we need to understand that it's going to come in our lives. And it's because Jesus suffered the same kind of thing. That's what he's talking about here. What he's writing about is completing what Jesus has called us to do. In fact, if you flip through Scripture, I'll give you just a couple passages. Jesus tells us that if we follow him, we'll be persecuted. You see that in Mark chapter 10, Matthew chapter 5, Luke chapter 6, and John chapter 15. Jesus' words that if we follow him, we're going to suffer, we're going to be persecuted. In the book of 1 Peter, you see Peter talking about persecution and talking about how it's coming all over that book. That's a book that we studied not too long ago. And then Paul writes about it not just here, but you also see him write about it in the book of Philippians. You also see him write about it in the book of 2 Timothy. Persecution, suffering, struggling to live out our faith, that's a common thing. It's something that we should expect. It's something that we should know is coming our way. And we need to expect it because if we're going to follow Jesus, it's going to happen. Because if Jesus suffered, why would we be exempt from that suffering? Scripture says that the world is going to hate us if we follow Jesus, but it's okay. Paul says even in the midst of that, we can rejoice, and it says that he does that because he knows what his purpose is. His purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus and to make disciples. That's what Paul's talking about here. That's why as he continues through here, he says this reason he can rejoice, it says he does so knowing it is for the church. That's what he said there. He's rejoicing in that suffering because he knows the things that he's going through. He's suffering because of the body, the physical body of Christ here that is here on earth now, that was here on earth then after Christ was already dead. It was the body of Christ, the church. Scripture tells us that's what we are. We're like a body in the church. We're, we're one member made up of many parts. And we function as Christ's body right here, right now. And Paul says, that's what he is suffering for. And he does this because he's following the steps of Jesus and because this is serving to advance the gospel. That's why he embraces this struggle. That's why he says, guys, I don't like it, but I've got this. Because he knows who he's following. His testimony is part of fulfilling the word of God, which he then goes on in verse 26 and references as the mystery that he's talking about there. He says the mystery, it's not a secret hidden knowledge. The mystery, it's what Paul had been preaching. He describes it by using these words. He says it used to be hidden, but it's no longer a mystery. It's been revealed to the saints of God. It's the very gospel that has been preached all over the world. He's revealed it to the Jewish people. He's revealed it to the Gentiles. And he says this is the riches that has been made available to them. See, Paul is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he goes through there and he gives us that specific answer. He says, that mystery is Christ in you, which is our only hope of glory. Now, if you've been here any amount of time, or maybe this is your first time, we talk about Jesus here. We talk about sin. We talk about forgiveness. Because the only thing that can save us from our sin is the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers through his cross, his sacrifice on the cross. 
That is what Paul is focused on. That is the goal of his life, is to tell people that message and help them understand what it looks like to obey God and live a life that honors him. And because that is his focus, all of these other things that are happening to him in his life, guess what? They're uncomfortable. Being in jail would not be fun. Being on a shipwreck because you're heading to a new jail would not be fun. Being bit by a snake because you shipwrecked because you were headed to jail. None of that stuff would be fun. Being beaten, all of those things, we wouldn't like that. And yet Paul says right there, I rejoice in it. Because he knows his purpose. He knows why he's going through these struggles. And then he continues in verse 28. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's two aspects to what he's saying we proclaim here. There's a positive aspect and a negative aspect. Look at what it says there. It says, warning everyone and teaching everyone. That first one, that negative one, that warning everyone, that comes with the idea that if you are living a life that honors God, if you are sharing the gospel with people, that means at some point in time, you are going to encounter sin in someone else's life. And that warning them, that admonishing them, that means you're going to have the opportunity to lovingly call them out in their sin. Now, sometimes we get this wrong. Sometimes we look at people and we think, man, what you're doing is horrible. And we tell them how horrible they are. And we tell them that they're condemned. And we tell them that they better get their life right or God's going to send them to hell. Now, is that wrong? Not really. That's what Scripture says. However, Scripture tells us we're supposed to do everything in love. So we have the ability and the opportunity that when we see somebody who's caught in sin, because guess what? There may come a time where somebody may have to have the same conversation with you or I. We have the ability to go to them and say, what you're doing doesn't honor God. And you know God wants you to live a life that honors Him. God loves you and I love you. Let me share with you what the solution to that problem is. And tell them the gospel. That's the negative aspect, but that turns around and becomes the positive aspect right there. It says teaching all people. That means that he has the opportunity to teach and to preach to anybody he encounters about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That translates to you and I. We have the opportunity to tell every single person we interact with about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity. That's a great thing that we have the chance to do. Now, we don't always take advantage of that, do we? No, yes, no. Do we always take advantage of that opportunity? No, we don't. I'm, I'm a pastor, and I don't always take advantage of that opportunity. And that's what I do. Sometimes we let those chances go by, but at the same time, we've got to remember that's what Jesus has called us to and it's for the goal that he says there that we may present everyone mature in Christ so that everybody who hears the gospel has the opportunity to put their faith and their trust in Jesus to begin to learn what it means to be a disciple, to begin to live a life that honors God so that when the day comes, they stand before God. They've lived the life that they're supposed to live because they've lived the life that God created them to live. Where we get off track is when we start going our own way. And Paul says the whole point of everything that he does, the whole point of everything that we do as disciples is to point people towards Jesus and help them to understand how it is to honor him with their life. This is the struggle. That's why he goes on in verse 29 of chapter 1. He says, for this I toil, 
struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul's whole journey here has been a struggle. Everything that he's gone through, it's not been easy for him. And yet at no point in time do we see him turning away or turning back from what God has called him to do. What we see is his knowledge that the power he has to withstand all of those things he's gone through, any ability he has to stand firm is the power of God working in his life. And he's focused on that goal and that goal only. And he goes on in verse 2, he says that their hearts, these are the people he hasn't even met yet, the disciples he's trying to help to follow God. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says his goal here is that their hearts will be encouraged and they will be joined together. These believers that he's never met, these people that he will never see face to face, he has a burden for them to know what it means to live like the body of Christ. He has a burden for their hearts to be encouraged, their hearts to be knit together so that they will be united in what he says there, knowing and possessing the riches of the full assurance of certainty in Christ. And it's revealed in that mystery again of Jesus, the Messiah that was promised. He is the only one by which God is reconciling the world to himself. Paul says it's for this reason that he suffers. It's for this reason that he struggles. It's for this reason that he strives endlessly. The struggle is real to share the gospel of Jesus and to equip and encourage the church. That is what Paul is talking about here. The struggle is real because if you're actively living a life that's pursuing Jesus, you might face some of the same things that Paul faced. You might face persecution. You might face mockery. You may lose friendships. You may have family members that don't understand why you're following God and they question you. You might lose job opportunities. You might lose your life. It happens. It's been happening around the world for hundreds of years. But I believe that the struggle that many of us have is not necessarily this struggle. The struggle that we have as believers is fear because we're scared of losing those things. We're scared of persecution. We're scared of being made fun of. We're scared we're going to open our mouth and we're going to say something wrong about who God is. And we let that shut us down. And I bet if we're honest in here tonight, there's a lot of us that would say, that is my struggle. And that's a real struggle. And you need to know that you are not the only one that struggles with that. I can almost guarantee you, I'm not going to call anybody out or ask you to show hands, but I can almost guarantee you more people than not in this room have that same struggle. I know I have. I know there's been times in my life where I've had unbelievable opportunity to talk to somebody, to share the gospel with somebody, and my mouth closed because of fear. I, I, I've told this before, and I don't know if I've told you guys, my mom's mom was in hospice 
and she was getting to her last days and I had the opportunity I don't know that my granny was saved I have no idea and I went there one day with the intent of sharing the gospel with her and my mom left the room and I had the opportunity to talk to my granny and I started a conversation and we were just talking a little bit and all of a sudden one of the nurses came in like right before I started to ask her about her relationship with Jesus and you know what I did? I never said a word to her about Jesus. And it wasn't long after that she passed away. To this day, I have no idea where she is for eternity because of, I was afraid, because of fear. Because in that moment, I struggled and I let the fear win over what I knew I needed to do. I don't want that experience for anybody in this room. So tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. Tonight, tonight we're going we're gonna to stay in our seats. And those cards that you were given just a few minutes ago, I want you to pull them out. And in just a minute, as, as Nathan and Chloe start to play this song and start to sing this song, I don't want you to stand. I don't want you to sing with them. I just want you to listen to the words. Because here's the chorus. Let me read it to you. It says, when it's all said and done, let it be said that it was done for Christ. That is what Paul has said in this passage tonight about his own life. When it's all said and done, let it be said that it was done for Christ. My prayer for you tonight is that the struggle you may have with fear is very real. I know, I get it. But my prayer for you tonight is that you will let God help you move past that fear whatever it is, whatever reason, when you have opportunities to talk to people about Jesus, when you have chances to stand firm on what you know to be true, and you back down, it's because of fear. And there's something in each one of us that holds us in that fear. And my question for you tonight is, are you willing to let God help you get past that struggle? Past that fear. Whatever it is, that's what those questions say. Asking you what it is you're afraid of. Why is that holding you back? And is there somebody that you trust enough, another follower of Jesus, to help you get past that? Remember, he was asking that their hearts be knit together as the body. Because that's the, what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to encourage each other. We're supposed to lift each other up. So as they sing this song, listen to the words. Answer those questions. This is just for you. You're not going to turn this in. Nobody else is going to see this, but be honest. And then when the next song starts, stand up and sing with us. God, I pray right now, God, help us to trust you. Help us to understand what Paul's saying about the struggle. Help us to know, God, that even though we struggle, you can help us get past that fear so that we face a new struggle, God, a, a struggle where we will actually be living a life that honors you, knowing that's going to come with difficulty. God, help us to pursue you with everything that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.